name is Bear Siragusa, and you are listening to the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. So what if, um, when does the training season start for you? July 1st, July July 1st. 1st. Yep. And then that runs the months of July and August. And then, um, our kill season starts. Well, it's either the first Wednesday after Labor Day or the second Wednesday after Labor Day. We always flip flop with the bait sitters on who goes first. And this year, this year it's our turn to go first. So I think that I think that means it starts on the fifth this year, so we only have we only have a few days off in in between. Um, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Is that is that for everything or just bear? That's just bear. Okay. Yeah. Because you do a just little bear. bit of you you do some cat hunting as well. Yeah, I bobcat hunt quite a bit in the winter. Um, yeah. That that season, so we actually have two seasons. Our first season, they call it, ends on Christmas Day, and then mm-hmm. our our second season would start the would start December twenty sixth and run through the uh, the last day of January. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. The first the first season can be a little touchy because I think it technically starts like the beginning of November. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of our, you know, deer, deer hunting is such a big thing around here. Um, I don't even, I mean, you can't even really consider, consider it starting, you know, as with the hounds, you know, our trapping and hunting is lumped in together. So if you draw a bobcat tag, um, you can trap it or, or you can get it with hounds or calling it or whatever. So, you know, if, if if you're going to trap, I mean, you can start, you can start the beginning of November, but to, to pursue them with hounds, it's really out of the question until first week in December. Um, Hmm. you know, just with all the deer hunters in the woods, it, it, I guess it's probably technically not, not illegal. It's just not very smart in my opinion. Right. 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 No, that makes sense. How are you, how do you pursue cats? Like, are you driving for tracks or are you free casting? What are you, what are you doing there? No, yeah, I mostly go out in the, in the snow, um, drive around roads, checking for tracks or, Mm -hmm. you know, if we get a good, if we get a good amount of snow, I like to hunt off my snowmobile Mm -hmm. and get, allows you to get in. We've got some pretty big, um, chunks of land up here, so. I think a lot of times those bigger cats don't, don't hardly move, you know? Um, and if you can get into some of those big blocks and I I mean, I'll even walk in and check a crick crossing or something, you know, and Mm. uh, I've, I've cut a lot of tracks doing that. Um, I don't, I just don't think they have to, they don't move a lot. You know, I I mean, people always ask me how much they travel. I'm like, well, I think they can be in one spot for a week sure, and they might pick up and go 15 miles one day just because they feel like it you know and, right i mean they might be there for a week and come back i you just you just never know right um, I, I have gotten on some of those traveling toms cold trailing them you know and it seems like they go forever but um but then there's other right. times i think where they just where they just uh find a swamp with some rabbits somewhere and don't really have to leave got everything yeah. they need yeah 
that's been uh, that's been my experience anyway with the links. Is that uh, if they get into a you know get into a good source of food, they'll they'll hunker down for a month. I mean, they won't move at all. Yep. Yep. So we had uh, unfortunately sure. had a, a family group of links. Uh, hunker down right here around the house. I saw them a couple times and got them, got on them with the dogs a couple times, but we're not allowed to harvest family groups for the first sure. month of the lynx season. So uh, after the month had gone by, we got one of the kittens. You know, it was a mostly grown at that point, but um, there's still a, a female and some half grown or mostly grown kittens floating around and they completely decimated our roe deer population. <laughs> Which is They're uh, just wiping them out. Just wiping them out. So in the beginning of the season, like every time I we trailed them, I'd find a roe deer kill. And towards the end of the season, I stopped finding roe deer kills and started finding um, red stag, which is like the, Euro the European elk. Okay. I started finding those kills, which is a pretty good indication that they're not they're not catching roe deer anymore. Because you know, if they can choose, they'll go for roe deer. How big a how big is a lynx by you? Man, that the seems lynx, like an awful big prey for a not a very big cat. Yeah, I mean that's the crazy thing. It's like the the idea that they're gonna be able to take down, you know, a several hundred pound animal is kind of unbelievable. But I mean they're not they're not much bigger than you know, 35, 40 pounds most of the time. I mean, occasionally they'll get kind of an outlier that's a little bigger, you know, up in like the 50, yep. 60 pound range, but that's, that's pretty unusual. So they're pretty unusual, pretty comparable to our bobcats and yeah, well, the lynx, we, we don't yeah. have lynx here, but, um, no, the lynx up in like the Canadian lynx, they're pretty, they're pretty comparable. Yeah, sure. For sure. So, but how like you, I've only ever been able to do one dog related sport at a time. You know, I did the, the sheep dogs and then I did the hound in the, um, sled dogs. And then now I've gotten into the hounds. You have a lot. I mean, your life is as doggy as any life I've seen. I mean, you, you do a lot of different types of stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much 365 days a year for me. Um, and I'm sure you're you're getting to the bird dog side of things too. So I, mm. I also have uh, pointing pointing dogs right now. I have two German German short hairs, and um, about 11 years ago, I got a bird dog. It was a she was a Weimaraner. Mm -hmm. um, me and my wife had just gotten married. We we wanted a house dog. I've, I've you know had the hounds, but we wanted more of a, a family dog. And I'm like, well, if we're gonna get a dog, let's get something I can take hunting every once in a while too, you know? Sure. So, and we both liked Weimaraner. So I just, you know, basically went on Facebook or whatever it was and happened to find a Weimaraner breeder that was close and signed up for, for one and, and, um, ended up getting her. And like I said, we got her right after my wife and I got married and, mm -hmm. you know, my intentions with getting that dog was just, just as I said, I have a house dog that I could, take for a walk in the woods. I wasn't a big bird hunter at that time. I'd, I'd gone a little bit. My father-in-law and brother-in-law had, had bird dogs, but I didn't mm -hmm. really know much about it. And 
Um, I got her and I, thankfully I, I've got some friends that are pretty big into bird dogs and they kind of hooked me up with a professional trainer. Um, and I hung out with him a little bit and kind of saw what the difference between a professionally trained bird dog, you know, and, and some of the other bird dogs I've seen, you know, where the handlers are just sure. yelling at the dog the whole time, you know, the dog's trying to run away. The dog's trying to take out birds. And, right. you know, then I hung out with this professional trainer and saw that, I mean, he didn't say a word to his dogs. They just handled every situation, um, you know, without a command. And I'm like, man, that's what I want right there. Right. So right. it kind of put me down that rabbit hole of training that first bird dog. You know, she went from being a dog that I just wanted to take hunting every once in a while to me being, you know, neck deep in the training. And, um, I went a couple places with her, you know, South Dakota, I made a trip out to Montana once and mm -hmm. just kind of fell in love with it. And, um, but there was things about her. I didn't like, she was, had a really soft personality, mm -hmm. which doesn't really mesh with me that much. I, I mean, mm. I'm, can kind of be a little bit too emotional at times, you know, and if I would get on her a little too hard or something, she'd be like, we're done. You know, right. well, if, if you're going to yell at me, I'm just not going to do anything. Right. Um, yeah. I've, I've been there. <laughs> and that, yeah. That, that was a little tough for me to deal with. And then I, I became friends with a guy in Kansas. That's a German short hair breeder. And I just, mm -hmm. I fell in love with his dogs. You know, I've been around a couple short hairs in the past and I didn't love them to be honest with you because you know, most of them didn't really have an off switch. It's like, right. yeah, they'd hunt like crazy, but in the house they were tearing the shit out of everything too, you know, right. but his dogs were just, you know, he'd send me pictures or I'd see pictures of them sleeping on the couch and I spent some time with them. And I'm like, man, this is what I want. So, mm. um, I ended up talking to him about getting a, getting a short hair from him and, uh, her name's Jade. She's, she'll be five here in September. And I, um, that breeder was, you know, pretty big into the AKC, um, hunt tests and field trials and, and pretty big into the, into NAVDA as well. Mm. And, um, I, I became really good friends with them and, you know, his requirement to get the full registration was to, you know, you had to run them into a, a certain stage in NAVDA and I'm like, Oh, well, mm. I, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, it, it's good, good training anyways. Well, Knowing sure. my personality, I can't do anything half-assed. Like I'm either going to do it, I'm either going to go all in or, or I'm not going to do it at all. So with her, right. I've, um, you know, I've run her in NAVDA. She's a versatile champion now, which is high as it, which is as far as you can go. Um, AKC, she's a, she's a master hunter advanced. And, um, I actually started running her in some field trials and stuff here this last spring, which gave me the bug. We haven't won any. But I've, she's placed second, third, fourth numerous times. And there was a couple of wow. times where I made handler errors where she would have won. So it, it kind of, you know, it kind of put that, put that in, in motion now too, where that's, you know, heading, heading towards her field champion title is something I'd like to do. Cause there's not, not a lot of dogs out there that have, that are field champions as well as versatile champions, just mm. because the. <clears throat> the training and style of dog it, it, it's hard to get a dog that that succeeds at both of those sure um, so so yeah it's <laughs> it's turned into a 
dogs have turned into a 365 day a year thing for me. You know, I run bears July, August, and, and then all the way up into beginning of October. And then I, our kill season ends, I think on a Tuesday this year, which would be like October 3rd. And I'm heading to Montana, October 5th hmm. for a week long bird hunting trip. So okay. I'll be bird, bird hunting super hard until we get good snow where I can cat hunt. And then when that ends at the end of January, I, I, you know, February, March, I, I start training my bird dogs. And then in the spring is big, big field trial and hunt test season. And I do that right sure. up till July 1st. So yeah, it's a, it's a year round, it's a re- year round gig for me. And that's awesome. I love that's it. Awesome. I, I, is, do you train other dogs? Is that like, is that your profession at this point? No, it's not my profession. Um, yes and no. I, you know, I've gotten quite a few buddies that that have got bird dogs, so I'll bring them in and help them out. Um, it's definitely not a profession for me. Mm-hmm. I've considered it a couple times, but man, if you want to make any money training bird dogs, it, it, you kind of either got to be all in or all out, you know? Right. And you know, you know, the saying, if you love something, um, and then you turn it into a job, it becomes just that it becomes work. So yep. I'm, you know, I'm not sure that's something, thankfully, um, I have, I have a real job that does, does fairly well. So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't need to do that. Um, part of me wants to, but another part of me is a little hesitant to sure. jump in that deep as well. Sure. So. That, that makes sense. You know, I, I did that with the sled dogs where <clears throat> I turned a passion into a job, started doing some guiding and things like that. And you know, enjoyed it in the beginning, but it got old after a while. It started to feel like work and kind of took yeah. some of the joy away from, away from it. For sure. But you were in hounds first before you got into the, um, the bird dogs. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I think I'm 38 now and I've, I, I was born into it. My family's had hounds and been breeding blue tick hounds for, um, probably pushing 50 years now. Um, so it's, it's something that I've, I've always done and it's just, it's just part of me. You know, I, I I can't, I can't see myself, you know, people have asked me now if I could either do the bird dogs or the hounds, which would I take? And, oh man, it, it would kill me to have to choose. Um, you know, they're, they're so different but yet Hmm. so much the same. And it just, I really love the relationship I have with both of them um, and kind of how they complement each other and, and have really helped me, you know, helped me in both aspects, just what I learned from, from one, you know, using that towards the other. So, um, but yeah, the hounds are kind of what got me started in the dogs and, um, Mm -hmm. And probably oh, cool. my first love. Are you still, um, are you still running the family line of blue ticks? Yeah. Yep. Yep. We still have the, most of our stuff now goes back to everything they started with. Um, that's so cool. Wow. Man, when it comes to the history of, the, of our dogs, you know, it's one of them things that I, it's not that I don't care, but I just don't have a, good memory for it and my my cousin Hmm. 
who is, is pretty much like my brother. I mean, you start talking to him about the history. I mean, he can rattle off dog after dog after dog from 30 plus years ago, you know, and, right. and how they all tie together. And I, that just, it doesn't quite stick with me like that, but, gotcha. um, you know, they started out with, uh, with smoky river bred dogs, mm-hmm. um, and had a lot of success with them for a few years and, and, and kind of, my cousin says they kind of hit a plateau where it, you know, things weren't really getting better or whatever. So they looked for some, some, uh, outside blood to cross in and they ended up crossing Sebastian, um, bred blue ticks out of, uh, the upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, okay. and, and so now we pretty much call them 50, 50 smoky river and Sebastian bred dogs. Um, okay. you know, we've brought in, we've brought in a little bit of outside blood here and there. Um, well, and obviously we have such a, we have such a big network now. Um, you know, if we're getting a little too tight or, or whatever, you know, there'll be a, a smoky river dog over in Michigan or something we might breed to here and there, you know, just to <laughs> freshen things up. And, and my cousins, my cousins brought in a couple Ray bred blue ticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got some pups that are, that would be now half Ray, half our, our breeding. Um, <laughs> they're only five months old, but man, I, a couple of those dogs are hell on wheels already at five months old. So cool. Um, cool. Yeah, so oh, that's that's, ex- that's pretty exciting. much what we're hunting. Is it still kind of a family a family deal where you're all kind of working together with breedings and stuff like that or are you kind of doing your own thing and your your cousin for example is doing his own thing or how does that work? No, it's pretty much a it's pretty much a family deal like I said me and my cousin are really close. I only keep four dogs. Well, I, right now I have four dogs of my own. Mm-hmm. Um he's got a whole yard full. I mean, he's got I don't know, 15 to 20 or something right now. Mm. Um, he, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a family deal still. Um, and when it comes to bear hunting, we've got a pretty, pretty large group, you know, a lot of local guys that hunt with us and stuff. I mean, it's rare that you go out hunting and you're by yourself. I mean, there's always sure. one, two, three, sometimes five, six other guys out, out too. So, um, sure. it's a pretty big network that, that we have built okay. up i mean you know you do it for 50 years and in the same spot and it just it kind of grows you know sure sure have you ever had any other hounds than the blue ticks or have you just like if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of a deal yeah i mean my i would my cousin's got we've we've got a you know, we had a plot, a couple plots that we've tried here and there. And, um, we've crossed our dogs, you know, like to a, a plot before. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, I mean, it's kind of a, if it's broke, don't fix it situation. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and people, people ask me, you know, cause I've got tons of friends that run all sorts of, you name it, you know, obviously plots are big around here. I've got some really good friends that I hunt with. Uh, quite often that I got more of the running dog stuff, you know, and they've asked me to take pups before and it's, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, it's not that I think that I don't think their dogs are good. It's just, I've got it, this, I've got a lot of sentimental value in, in our dogs as well, you know, yeah. and, and sure, maybe that can cloud your vision a little bit, but you know, it, I think it's cool and it means a lot to me, you know, that I'm hunting a dog that I also hunted as mom and dad, it's grandpa and grandma, you know, it's aunts and uncles. And I mean, it's, I think it's just kind of cool and a little bit unique, um, in our world as well. 
Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. You know, I was, I'm not anywhere near that point in the hounds, but I was there with the, with the Huskies where I, you know, I knew that dog's father, mother, grandfather, you know, grandmother on both sides, sometimes great grandfather and great grandmother. And there's, there's something to be said for having that kind of knowledge of like, just kind of knowing what, I don't know. When they do something weird, most of the time they had some relative that did the same thing. Yep. And there's something to be said for that. You know, I, I, it was pretty rare that I brought in new blood towards the end there. And as you say, it, it, it could be a little bit, you kind of back yourself into a corner and a little bit blind to what's going on around you. But at the same time, you know, if you're finding something that works really well for you, it seems like it's never not, it's never not going to be a high performance animal. You know, you may have people yeah. that still beat, beat you, you know, in trials or races or whatever, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it's, it's usually not by much. If you've got something that's really clicking for you, it seems like it's, uh, worth holding on to. Well, and I, you know, I've always been, I'm not afraid to go anywhere or hunt with anybody, you know? So I went out West in Montana and hunted out there for 10 years until they changed the regulations, hunt mountain lions mm-hmm. and stuff. And, you know, I've got, like I said, quite a few friends around the state, especially in the winter, you know, I, I go up and hunt in the Northern part of the state some, and then I got a friend down South a few hours that I go hunt with some just kind of based on snow conditions and they all have different dogs. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said before, it's not like, it's not like I, I don't recognize that they have good dogs as well, but I also haven't necessarily seen something that is like, man, I gotta, we gotta quit doing what, what we're doing. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> right. um, I think in our line of dogs, you know, you, you can get about anything. And I think the, the cold trailing ability that we're capable of producing in our, in our line of dogs kind of is what I'd say sets us apart. You know, I mean, if, right. if you're going to run just hot tracks and little bears all the time, yeah. Uh, you know, I've got friends that their dogs are going to leave my dogs in the dust. Um, most times. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, what I like to have in dogs is the confidence when I pull up to a bait or put them on a bobcat track, they're, they're going to grind that track and, and most times get it jumped and they're, you know, yep. or they're not going to, they're, they're just not going to give up. And, Um, me too i haven't i haven't seen that you know i haven't seen that a lot with other dogs not say there's none out there um but i just think you know what our line throws i've been spoiled right now my my oldest dog's nine and he Hmm. he's been a dog that if you put him out at a bait it doesn't matter how old it is it doesn't matter the conditions he's probably going to jump it and if he can't (laughs) jump it it's it's almost impossible to jump and, and you know, right. I, I just, Di- I like having that tracks, confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like having that, that confidence. And, um, I do too. Yeah. You know, I do too. And it's, it's been something that it's, it's hard to find. Um, it's hard to find over here. You know, it's, um, there's plenty of good dogs. Um, you know, I'm not going to criticize anybody's dogs. It's just, I have a based, it's sort of hard to explain, but if I could explain it, it's, it's, it's based on a vibe. 
you know, with the with the Alaskan Huskies, I wanted dogs that could function when the shit hit the fan. I didn't want the yeah. fastest dogs out there. I wanted dogs that were going to be the highest functioning when everything was going wrong. Yep. And that's how I still am kind of with the hounds where I don't need the fastest dog out there. I don't need the first dog to the tree. I don't need, you know, uh, that's okay. I want a dog that if I put it down on a dinosaur track, it's going to find, it's going to bump that dinosaur, you know, mm -hmm. sooner or later. Yeah. And it's hard to find here, you know, and, yeah. and I've found it in some of the plot lines that they use to run bear over here, but there's... I only know of a single blue tick over here right now. And that was that dog I found kind of coincidentally. Um, I was at this big, big, big hunting gathering. Um, it was a fox hunting thing. And we at, at the end of it, they had this huge banquet. And so there were I mean, there were 500 dogs uh, out there, you know, in the parking lot and you know, all these Nordic hounds barking and then, you know, over all of these hounds, I mean, hundreds of dogs way, way in the back of the parking lot. I could hear this big ball mouth. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> so I just, you know, me being me, I just like couldn't care less about the banquet. I walked through this entire you know, track down this dog and uh, the guy was luckily at the truck and I was like, hey, what, you know, what is that? What you got? In, what, what do you got in there? <laughs> And he opened the, you know, he opened the door and it was a, um, it was a blue tick, which is the first one I've actually seen over here, which oh. is strange to me because they're, you know, I know you've got, you know, you've got a great line. I know Jared Moss is really happy with his guys. You know, Jason Doobie had blue ticks for the longest time. You know, it's like the, it seems like the, the, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find a type of dog or a breed of dog that's functioning at a higher level. You know, there's dogs, plenty, you know, breeds that are functioning at the, you know, at a high level, but mm -hmm. you'd be hard pressed to find if you took the best blue tick out there and the best plot out there and the best treeing walker out there, I don't think there'd be much of a difference, you know, the yeah. difference in how they would be, but in terms of just overall quality, I don't think you would have a dog that would come out, you know, on top because it was, you know, plot oh. or blue tick or anything like yep. that. And it's, it's odd to me that there's not more of them over here. There's quite a few, you know, plots are getting a little bit more popular over here and the uh, treeing walkers are getting a little bit more popular over here, but the blue ticks have still not caught on, which I think is, is odd. Hmm. Is it just a matter of their, because there isn't any, they're hard to get. Yeah, I think so. You know, the, in 1993, there was a Swedish guy that uh, was an avid bear hunter and wanted something better than was available in Scandinavia at the time. So he he started importing plots from Steve Moore up in British Columbia, the, the, the Ursus plots. Mm -hmm. And those have been the sort of standard since then. Sure, because that's what's um Right. It's what's there. And, and I mean, to be fair, they function very, very well yep. here. Yep. Um, they started bringing over some, um, 
treeing walkers, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, a little bit more maybe. Some of the Sluka stuff is over here and um but they're they're still not real popular. There's there's definitely dogs out there. I've hunted over a couple of them that are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um but they're there's you know, their their feet are not super in the snow. I don't know whether that's a sort of you know breed issue or whether it's just um uh, some of the, some of the mixes they've done over here. Cause it's not all, it's not all that Schlucka stuff. It's, it's a bunch, you know, there's a bunch of different stuff over here, but, um, uh, my experience has been anyway that, that that's been the limiting factor is the, is the quality of the feet. Sure. Um, but I've yet to hunt over a blue tick, but I'm hearing, so much so many good things that it's uh it's getting tempting <laughs> i'll put one in a box and send it to you yeah so put, put one in the mail that would be great <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's really interesting were were your um have your family always been hunting both bears and cats or was it mostly bears no back in the day? um so basically it was my two uncles that, that, you know, brought, brought home the first, first blue ticks and, and, mm-hmm. and then it was primarily, it was primarily bears, um, you know, 20 up until about 20 years ago, maybe, maybe a little less, it, it was hard to find bobcats around here. Um, mm. so bobcat hunting wasn't wasn't real big i mean anytime you can drive all day and not find a track um you know it's hard to get it's hard to get too big into it um my cousin has pretty much always run coyotes in the winter um and then you know about the time where i you know 10 15 years ago when i uh was done with school and and my business was fairly successful and and i had some more more time um, I, I really fell in love with the bobcat hunting. So, mm. um, I, I was kind of the, I mean, my, we always hunted bobcats a little bit, but we never really had dedicated bobcat dogs. Um, okay. you know, if somebody we knew had a tag or whatever, you'd go out and try to find a track and, and try to get them one. But like I said, the population was, was just not there. So it was hard to have really mm. good bobcat dogs. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you know, if, if you're only going to put your dogs on two, three bobcats a year. Well, it's it's pretty tough to have really good dogs. And the coyote population has always been good. And to be honest with you, a lot of people around here like running coyotes more. It's just, it's a little more interactive. They cross roads. Mm. You can run more dogs. You know, Mm. sometimes Bob bobcat hunting, the bobcats headed into a big chunk. And, you know, if you get more than two, three dogs on it, it it can kind of sometimes screw things up, especially if those dogs aren't aren't used to hunting together and you know bobcat will get into a swamp somewhere and not leave so the people sitting on the road are left out there twiddling their thumbs all the time um (laughs) so i'm i'm kind of the one that fell in love with the bobcat hunting and and really started to to bobcat hunt hard and um, really try to develop good bobcat you know quote bobcat dogs you know that were just bobcat minded and um first few years was kind of rough to be honest with you um 
but now, you know, I've been through, been through a few dogs and, you know, I've had a couple generations of dogs that have gone through that, you know, and have started them out on it right away and, and stuck to it. And, you know, last year was probably my, my best season ever. And I think right now I probably have, you know, better, better Bobcat dogs than, than I've, than we've ever had. Um, Okay. Cool. What is it about the Bobcats that you like versus the bear, for example? Um, the challenge of it. Um, I think they're, you know, Bobcat hunting can be very tough. Like in my, in my opinion, the, the toughest trailing and, and trying to catch that, that there is, but also once Mm -hmm. you get over a foot of snow, it can be super easy and kind of lame as well because they just got a hard time going in that deep snow. Um, so I really like hunting them when we just have like an inch, inch to a few inches of snow. Um, you know, by us, you don't tree very many. A lot of times they get into these really thick swamps and just spin circles. Um, you don't want to, without having a really good track dog, that's going to keep that cat moving all the time and not get screwed up on its loops. Um, they can make you look pretty stupid in a hurry. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. A lot of times I'll turn my dogs loose and I'll just start walking behind them because bobcats will do things that it doesn't matter how good of a trail dog you have. A dog's just not going to figure out, you know, I mean, it could jump up on a log and, you know, and walk a bare log for, you know, 20, 30 yards and jump off on, onto something on the other end. Well, yeah. the trail dog's not going to figure that out. I've, I've had a bobcat walk one direction for a mile, stop, turn around, walk step for step in its track back a half a mile and get off. Well, wow. unless your dog happens to get lucky and find that, right. that first turn, it, it ain't gonna, you know, it's going to be a half right. mile in the wrong direction. So a lot of times I'll walk with my dogs just in case something like that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and to be honest with you early on, it was out of necessity. Cause like, as I said, my, I, my dogs just weren't that great and I had to help them out a lot. Sure. You know, they'd get into a deer yard and I just have to help them out. Um, so I like that part of it. I like being there with them. Um, I love sitting in a, sitting down on a, on a log and hearing my dog circling a cat in a swamp, you know, a hundred yards away. Sure. Um, a lot of times it, it's just me or just me and my cousin or something. Um, sometimes bear hunting can get a little bit hectic with a lot of people, a lot of dogs, it's a little more stressful, um, mm. just not quite as relaxing to me. Yep. So, you know, if I had to pick just one bear hunting or bobcat hunting now, I would definitely pick bobcat hunting. I mean, there are still things about bear hunting that I, that I really enjoy and, I would hate, sure. hate not to do it, but, um, that's kind of what I like about it. Um, gotcha. I like being in the woods and, and walking and being with my dogs. So yeah, I completely, I can completely relate to that. You know, it's my, that's my attitude as well. You know, it's, it's, there's something about being out there. Just, just me and the hounds, you know, yeah. we've only got the, the one hound, deal here you know it's not a uh, you know it's in certain areas you can drop more than one as in as in two but here where i hunt it's it's actually a law that you can't run sure. more than a single hound at a time um 
And there's just something about, you know, being out there together with the hound walking behind him, you know, gets, uh, keeps me moving, which is, you know, probably, probably good. And, um, you know, in, in addition, it's just, you know, a little bit more of a feeling of accomplishment. You know, there's certainly a feeling of accomplishment, you know, raising a hound that's able to get the job done on its own, but there's also, you know, there's something to be said for getting in there and, you know, mixing it up together with the hounds. When you learn so much about that animal when you're, when you're following it, you know, I mean, there's, there's been times where my dogs have, have screwed up or made a loss or whatever. And you think that cat's gone. And I, you know, I sit there and thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? I bet I know where that little bastard went, you know, (laughs) and I'll go hike a loop around, you know, Mm -hmm. and sure enough, cut its track, cut its track, leaving where it screwed everything up. Sure. (laughs) Call the dogs over and put them on it and it's back on, you know? So there's, there's a lot of mind games that, that can happen. Absolutely. With running, running cats too. I will say right now I've, I've got it while well, she's, I think she's just about four. Her name's Izzy and I I'm, it's awesome because she's so good at catching cats, mm. but I'm also mm. a little bit afraid that she might take some of the fun out of it for me. And I know this might sound a little bit arrogant for me to say, but last year I only put on <laughs> one Bobcat that she didn't catch. Um, Oh, wow. And that was the very wow. first bobcat of the year, and it went into a standing cornfield. Um, wow. And I think she's just kind of got the game figured out, you right. know. Um, wow. Because they're, cool. they're early season when we didn't have much snow. Um, you know, I had a couple hunters with me. You know, we get a cat jumped. and like, oh, yeah, this is fun. You know, and we're in the swamp. Cat would run by us, and then here come the dog. You know, the dogs would run by, and the cat would go make a loop, come back again. Sure. At one time, I'm like, we've only had this thing jump for five minutes, and that cat ran by, and that dog was right on his tail. Like, that's awesome. I'm like, this is over already. It's <laughs> like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool, but it's also kind of fun to sit there and, you know, <laughs> and have a prolonged race that, that, yeah. uh, so I, I, you know, she's, she's a fun dog to hunt with, but, um, and it, I got two pups out of her too. That while well, they're year, they'll oh, be cool. two in October, and I think they kind of, or I think she kind of really accelerated that learning her for them mm. um, this winter, just because she was, you know, we were so successful and she was catching them so quick. And yeah, they might not be right there at the catch, but they were, you know, they knew what was going on and they and they got there shortly, and you sure. know, they really they really progress leaps and bounds from the beginning of the year to the, to the end of the winter. And I think she probably had a lot to do with that. That's really cool. That's really cool. Wow. That's exciting. How do you yeah. like when you start pups, are you starting them on cat or are you starting them on bear? Or, I mean, I, like I've talked to some people who start their big game hounds on rabbits. Like what are, how do you, how do you go about that? Um, so, I'll pretty much, you know, whenever they're of age, whatever season it is, they're going to go. Um, mm-hmm. I would say in a perfect world, I would rather my pups be, you know, nine months old when cat season starts. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think giving them a season of bears can, can make it a little tougher to start them out on cats. Um, okay. there's so much more scent with bears. Um, they can run head up a lot more. And also mm-hmm. I've seen dogs that got a hard, 
you know, just a hard time putting their nose in tracks, um, after okay. they've, they've run bears. Now I always figure I hunt enough. I'm going to work them through it. And mm-hmm. just like I did with these two younger dogs I got now, they were, um, they were born in the fall. So last bear season, you know, they were eight, nine months old when bear season started and I'm not going to leave them at home for, right. for six months, you know, just waiting for cat season. Cause it, um, you know, it's also good to give them that track experience. Um, yeah, sure. It might, you might have some unintended consequences when it starts, but again, I kind of always figure I'm going to hunt on hunt enough to work them through that. Um, right. You know, just keep putting them down. Thankfully we can hunt more than one dog here. Cause I could see where that would make training the training puppies a little difficult. It, for sure. it makes it tough. Yeah. You know, there's something, you know, it was the nice thing with the, with the Huskies is that I always had good dogs after that first generation of dogs that I kind of taught up, you know, taught myself, you know, every generation after that built off of the foundation that I started with that first dog and, you know, just far exceeded what I was able to make happen with that first dog. But, yep. you know, you could sort of see the continuity there, which it was, which kind of appealed to me and. You know, but with the, with the hounds, it's like, I sometimes feel like I'm starting from scratch every single every time. time. I, yeah. Yep. And it's that, that's a little discouraging. I'm not going to lie. You know, yep. especially when you've got, especially when you, you know, you end up with some accidents and things that, you know, set you back and, you know, suddenly you're set back, you know, a year or two Yeah, and, you know, have a couple of mediocre seasons where you're just kind of trying to get the young dog or dogs bought in and, and, and functioning. And it's, that's been really frustrating for me, you know, in a, in a situation where, you know, with the sled dogs, I was always able, I always had, my bench was really strong. I always went into it with the attitude that, you know, a team is only as good as its bench. And, you know, my, 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 you know, from the, you know, the, peewees up until the minor leagues i had i had some very good candidates the entire way mm-hmm. and you know with the hounds i i've not had that yeah. i've had some very good candidates but things have happened injuries you know bad experiences whatever where you know or even you know my own screw-ups you know that original hound that i got in the very in the, in the very beginning he was so good in the beginning that i think i treated him a little bit too much like an adult and also maybe, but at the same time, I was so careful with him that I built up this sort of ego, ego monster by protecting him from some of the realities, I think, of, you know, what he was actually going to meet out there. And when the reality kind of, you know, met him in the face and he bumped into a bear yeah. while he was out running Fox, it was just, that was the end of it for him. Like he just, yeah. he couldn't, he couldn't handle it. I'd convinced him from, he was a puppy until he was two years old that, you know, he was indestructible and suddenly he met something that just completely shook his ability, you know, completely shook him and he's been completely useless since, Yeah. you know, and that set me back a solid year. And then I had, you know, this plot that was doing really, really well and, but got really kind of iffy with kids and I had small kids at the time and it just didn't, you know, and, you know, since then it's just been kind of, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got a dog that when she's on, she's good, but she's inconsistent. You know, if I'm yeah. honest, she's inconsistent. 
You know, on her good days, she's as good as anything. And on her bad days, she's, uh, <laughs> she's a liability, you know, yeah. to be like, and it's, uh, so it's, it's something that I'm still chafing under a little bit, that sort of, you know, single hound thing over here. I wish that wasn't the case. Oh yeah. That's gotta be difficult. I mean, but you know, on the other hand, I think when, when you're running a, a pack or, or whatever, and we've seen this, we've seen this time and time again. I mean, you can think you've got a hell of a good pack of dogs mm-hmm. and you lose one of them dogs and it can go to hell in a handbasket because right. you know, <laughs> you, you just, you don't realize sometimes how much a really good dog. It's almost like having a good quarterback on a football team. Mm-hmm. A good quarterback can mask a lot of your issues mm-hmm. and kind of hold everything together. And it can be a lot the same with hounds. And that's one thing. Totally. I'm, you know, I've got this nine-year-old now, Remy. I mean, he's just, he's not fast, but he is just one of them dogs that always holds everything together. And Mm -hmm. I've kind of had to be careful a little bit, not to depend on him too much. Right. To kind of let the dogs, you know, let, let my other dogs figure it out a little bit on their own, but yet Mm -hmm. he can really help bolster their confidence as well. You know, um, I had a couple dogs here. Oh, a week ago we were running a little bear and they got into a cornfield and it just blew up, which cornfields can be tricky sometimes, especially with inexperienced dogs. And I had a couple dogs that trailed out on something. Um, and I think what happened is I think they bumped into a bigger, probably a pretty mean bear. And didn't really like what they found. And my one younger dog, I mean, he got the hell out of there in a hurry. And the other <laughs> one was there, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't loving it. I walked in and a couple other dogs had made it there. And I walked in and they walked up to me like they had seen a ghost. Okay. Um, and, you know, in that situation, like, I kind of wish my old dog Remy would have been there. Or, what, you know, another dog that we have that that isn't going to get bluffed like that because mm. I think he, I think he could have changed that whole dynamic completely. Um, sure. you know, and probably gave those other dogs a little bit more confidence. So, mm. you know, it's, it's really a catch 22. Thankfully, well, I shouldn't say thankfully, but my old dog, he's, he's got, um, DCM, uh, he's got an enlarged heart. Oh yeah. So, okay. I mean, he does really well in small, in small, spurts and when it gets Mm. hot and humid it's really hard on them so like the last few days here has been miserable it's been super hot and humid and i i I haven't gone but i'm gonna go tomorrow and it's it's the you know the humidity and heat starting to break and i think i'm just gonna leave him at home um and kind of you know once again take him out of the equation i've seen a lot of good progress out of these two younger dogs and 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 my my other dog izzy and you know just see if they can go do it on their own. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise that he's got that issue. It's a real, it's a bummer to watch a, a good dog go downhill. Um, yeah. But also it might keep me from handicapping those other dogs quite as much, you know? Yeah. 
No, I, I, I understand that. I had a, I had a sled dog with, uh, uh, dilated cardiomyelopathy and it was, it was a bummer. Yeah. Was, I mean, it was a bummer. Some days it's like, man, he's about back to the way he was. And then other days it's, it's I mean, like a, and I think it's been three. I think this will be the third bear season. So two years ago is when he got diagnosed with it. And okay. if you would have told me now that he'd still be alive, I'd be doing somersaults. I'd be so Carmels, happy. Yeah, you know? right. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and he do, he's still doing really good trailing, cool. getting really tough tracks jumped. But once it, once the track gets good and it gets any pace to it, I mean, he just falls on his face, you know, yeah. he can't keep up. And, um, so I guess that's, you know, that's one way to look at it. I'm, I'm just glad I, I have him and, and, can use them at times. Yeah. Um, it's better than nothing for sure, but it also is a bummer. He's, you know, some days it's just like, you know, he, you can tell he's breathing so hard that it's like, I should have just left him at home today, yeah. but he's a hunting dog, man. I mean, if I could, if you could ask him, would you rather stay at home today or go bear hunting? He's going to be like, screw it. I'm going bear hunting. You right. Know? Absolutely. Let the chips fall where they may. Um, right. If I die, I die. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, exactly. It's, um, you know, th that kind of dog is just, it's worth, it's worth so much. I, I, I wrote an article about it a while back, but it's, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in the dog mushing world was from, um, a guy that said, do you have a good lead dog? And I said, yeah, I've, I've got one. He said, how many do you have? And I said, I have one. And he said, okay, don't run that lead dog and lead again mm -hmm. unless you need him. Because, you know, the, the thing was, is that if I, if I depended on that one dog, you know, if it was sort of the linchpin for my whole operation, if that dog went out, got sick, got injured, whatever, I was screwed. Yep like severely, severely screwed. Yep. So, it, you know, there was something to be, I, and it was the best bit of information or, you know, advice I ever got was, was to, you know, get the dog to its full potential and then don't use it that way. Keep it in the back, keep it protected, you know, put it up yep. there every once in a while to, you know, keep it fresh, but, you know, otherwise work on building up other lead dogs. Don't let the team lean on that one dog. Yeah. And I, uh, there's something to be said for that. You know, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's like having that sort of ace up your sleeve where, you know, that when the, you know, shit hits the fan, you're, you've got, you've got an extra gear in there somewhere. Yep. Yeah. We've had a couple bear seasons where we'll get on a rough bear, uh, kill season, you know, right at the beginning and mm. get our best two or three dogs, um, beat up a little bit and yeah it's like you think you got a pretty good pack of dogs and pretty soon you're turning out your you know on tough tracks you're turning out your fourth fifth sixth best dog and running deer right. and tree and coons and <laughs> running fisher you know it's like what yeah. the hell you know you just um them dogs that hold it all together i mean it, they can mask a lot of they can mask a lot of issues that you have and but they Absolutely. can also make make everybody look like rock stars too. Absolutely, yeah. No, you can. Uh, 
It's, it's remarkable how one good dog can make you delude yourself into thinking that, hey, man, I've I've got this down. Like I am, like, yep. I am like the Conor McGregor of hound hunting right now, and then you realize, <laughs> oh, oh, dang, I'm, you know, I'm the Ronda Rousey of hound hunting. I got <laughs> hit once and I'm down. You know, yep, exactly, exactly. So I uh, love that team aspect of it, though. I mean, mm. you know, and that's one thing that. It just keeps me so drawn to the, to the hounds. Um, I was a, you know, I played college football and college basketball and, you know, I was a big team, team sports player, Mm -hmm. you know, now I kind of look at it as I'm, I'm their coach and Mm. it's my position to, you know, it's my job to put my dogs into the best position, Mm -hmm. um, to be successful and make your team better. And some, some people I think, think that they're going to have, they want dogs that are good at everything. And mm-hmm. unfortunately that's, that's just not the case, especially in the bear hunting world, you know, with us starting out on baits, um, you know, to have a dog that will consistently take a 12 hour old cold track, but also is going to run at the front, um, of the pack, you know, on a 15 to 20 mile chase, you know, that you're talking about, a once in a lifetime dog there pretty yeah. much, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and is also, you know, if one of them bear stops is going to have the, going to have the guts to stick and bay it by itself or, or whatever. I mean, those dogs right. just don't come around very often. So, you know, it's kind of up to you, the coach to, to figure out what, what dogs are the best at what, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, you want to always kind of keep improving their, their weak points, but you know, if you take a dog that's not capable of taking a 12 hour old cold track and you keep throwing them on, on baits that are hit 12 hours ago, Hmm. you're going to get pretty dang frustrated, you know? And same with like my Remy dog. If I expect him to run up front, run up front for 15 miles on an 80 pound bear, it ain't going to happen. I mean, I might as well just catch him at the first road crossing and, (laughs) you know, let the other dogs do what they're good at. Right. So it's, you know, it's some conversations I've had with some guys, you know, it's not like bear hunting here. It's not, it's not like you find a, a mountain lion track in the snow and, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a fairly decent cold trail and the jump race isn't going to be very long in a tree. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you can have dogs that are good at all that here. It's just, um, with the bears, it's, you're just asking the dogs to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, <sighs> That's the challenge that I've found here anyway, is that, you know, I used to have, I used to look at it as a team, as you, as you, as you say, and, you know, I had dogs that were good at specific things and I knew what they were good for. I knew what they could do. I knew what they were mm-hmm. capable of. So I was able to sort of set things up so that I had the best possible functioning team as a whole, as it was possible for me to have with the group of dogs that I had. And, you know, now it's just like me and one dog where they kind of have to be good at everything. You know, they've got to be kind of that one man army and those dogs are rare, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's, it's challenging when, you know, we've got, yeah, it's challenging to find a dog that can do it all. And I have yet to see a dog that can actually, you know, legitimately do it all. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I I do prefer personally, I prefer the dogs that can grind it out. You know, if I can put them on a track that was from the night before and know that it may take them half the day, but they're eventually going to get that thing on its feet. I would much, much prefer that. I'm going to feel, I'm going to go home at the end of the day feeling like we've accomplished more than a dog. If I, you know, den say four foxes for a dog that is only capable of running tracks that have been laid within the last hour, hour and a half. You know, I would say I'm exactly the same way. Exactly mm. the same way. I, we have trail cameras on all our baits now. And, um, yeah, sometimes it's nice to have, you know, to turn out on that bear. That's was there just an hour ago mm. or whatever, mm. you know, you know, you're going to get dogs out, you know, you're going to get dogs exercised. Mm. But man, when I see a bait that was hit, like just at dark the, the night before, I know it's going to be tough. Mm. It, it gets me excited. Now, granted, mm-hmm. there's times when I got them out there, cause we've got a lot of, they've been doing a lot of clear cutting and stuff in, in mm. our, in our woods. And sometimes those bears will walk across those clear cuts and the scent conditions are just horrible when they do that, you know, and yeah. there's been times where my dogs are out in this clear cut and haven't moved or haven't barked in 20 minutes. And it's like, oh my God, should I just call them out? Right. But, you know, you, like, know, you know, you know where that bear went, but it's just like, God, come on guys. Yeah, but you know, then all of a sudden you get a bark and they right. progress a little bit and they get a bark and they progress a little bit and you know, then a lot of times that ends up turning into a jump bear. And I mean, right, just right. knowing that my dogs had the stick to itiveness to stick with that, they very easily mm. could have took one of those trails out to the road and and called it like sure. But I want them to I want them to keep grinding. Yeah, I know sometimes they're not going to get that stuff jumped, but I want them to think that they can jump every track. Mm-hmm. you know, that I put them out on. Yep. I totally, totally agree with that. I could not, could not be more in agreement about it. You know, it's, it's, you know, so many people want the, you know, it, it becomes a numbers game, oh. you know, a little bit in the same way as, you know, they, they, there was just an article in one of the bigger hunting magazines where, um, you know, rabbit hunters, they've stopped caring about how many, you know, how many rabbits their dogs actually are getting out and moving, but it's become a, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a pissing contest about whose dogs are trailing the longest. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to me, it just kind of strikes me as a dog that's just not capable of getting it done. You know, they're staying out there, they're barking, you know, maybe a little bit too, too early, a little bit too loose. Yep. You know, it, it, that's not a dog that is going to appeal to me personally, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I, I want a dog that's going to be, a, that has the ability to grind because that's always been what I've liked to, to, to do myself. You know, I'm, I'm not an instant gratification guy. If, if, if I get something instantly, I don't appreciate it as much as if I've, had to grind it out and just kind of suffer for it. And, you know, my, my dogs have always sort of reflected that, you know, the teams I've had that have not been capable of that have not been teams that have done particularly well for me. For sure. Um, and it's the same with the hounds, you know, the, 
my main dog right now. It's and you know it's it's sort of funny to think of her as my main dog because she's the dog that's you know been quasi functional for the longest. You know, is is this uh, you know running walker that got just a terrible terrible start to her life and she's done better than I ever expected her to do, which is gratifying. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like I said, like on her good days, she's good. But she's also, you know, her good days are those aren't every day. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, the best uh, the best hound I've ever had was a pl- was this plot, Dan. Um, and, you know, that it was I look at him that way because it was that quality that he brought to the table. I was able to put him on things that were a day old and full of snow and he was able to grind it out. He had the, he had that, you know, he, he was right with me every step of just kind of grinding it out and just shit conditions. And I appreciate that. That's what I'm looking for in a dog. And I can appreciate that other people aren't looking for that same thing, but that's what I'm looking for. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, that's it. Oh, it's interesting. That's interesting. So you, you've got four hounds right now. Correct. Yep. And then the two German short hairs. Correct. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Are you training for, are you training other people's dogs? Are you doing some guiding and stuff with your hounds as well? Or how is that? Uh... Um, I do a little bit of guiding. Um, we have, I don't, I don't, market for it or anything um we have such a you know because we've been doing it for so long we have such a big network of people Hmm. that you know you took somebody in wisconsin it takes about 10 years we'll just call it 10 years to draw bear tag and for our second bobcat season it takes 10 years to draw bobcat tag Hmm. so you know we've kind of developed such a big network of people where you know, you take a landowner one year, help him get a tag or help him get a, get an animal. And now all of a sudden his cousin, five years down the road, draws a tag and, oh, I know somebody that'll take you, you know, and it it just, it kind of snowballs like that. So we don't, we don't, I wouldn't really say we guide, but you know, we do take some people and, um, and I, you know, I even have random people on Facebook, you know, that'll send me messages or whatever. And if I don't have very mm. many Bobcat tags or, or bear tags or whatever, I'll definitely consider taking them. Sure. Um, it's not, it's definitely not a, I mean, we don't make any money doing it. Not, mm-hmm. not to say we don't charge people, but again, that's one of those things. If you're going to be a guide, you better be a guide. And, yep. and that means taking clients, you know, on a, on a regular basis and, and, yep. Whenever trying they to make go. some money doing. Yeah, hmm. exactly. And you know, we, we, you know, we take some money just because it, it's expensive. And I, I figure I've got so much time and energy into these dogs. Me personally, I don't really care if I don't shoot stuff out to my dogs. I, I just, I have more fun treating a bear, leading them off, treating a cat, hmm. leading them off, whatever. It, it takes a lot of the stress out of it for me. You know, when mm-hmm. you're committed to somebody and, and getting them an animal, it, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit more stressful, but on the other hand, you know, to take somebody that lives four hours away, never gone with me before, I, I don't, it, you know, I'm burning sometimes checking for cat tracks, you know, you're burning half a tank, you know, 50, hundred bucks a day in fuel, oh, yeah. just looking for oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't, I don't think I should take them for free either. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of my, my mindset on it, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, we do. And, and sense. again, you know, I've got a, thankfully I've got a good job. I don't, I don't need to do it for money. Um, right. And I think also anytime you start doing stuff for money, it can kind of, uh, change your priorities a little bit as well. Um, yeah, totally agree. So not, not really something I'm, I'm interested in at this, at this point in time. That makes sense. Yep. No, that makes sense. I can, uh, I can relate to that. Mm. Yeah. What's the, uh, I've been, we've been talking for about an hour here, so I'll, I'll let you go here pretty soon, but I'm curious. I've been sort of what, you know, looking at you through the camera here, but I see that big cat behind you. What's the story there? Oh, that's a mount lion I got in Montana. Probably, oh man, I would say seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some good friends that uh, live in Montana, and I went out there for, I think about eleven or twelve years. Every year I went out there lion hunting with them, and and again I I went out there just to tree lions. Um, mm. One year, one year we have happened to tree a nice Tom and, um, basically said, Hey, you guys mind if I shoot this one? I, you know, I'd like yeah. to get one eventually. And they're like, hell yeah. Right. So, so I actually, I, I took one, but yeah, out of the 12 years I went out there, I don't know. I probably, probably saw 60 lines in a tree, something like that. That's awesome. Only shot the one, but it was kind of a bucket list thing for me. Sure. Um, I actually, I got a bobcat on the wall right there too with a grouse in its mouth. Yeah, it's good to say. Is that a grouse in its mouth? That's awesome. Yeah. And actually Did you get that grouse for for your bird dogs? Yeah, I, I I'm That's sitting at my awesome. cabin right now and I shot the grouse over my bird dogs <laughs> would have been two falls ago. Um no, last fall. Yeah, just last fall, right behind my cabin here. And that bobcat actually um I had taken a guy last two winters ago said he wanted to go. He was, he's a local guy. My dad worked with him a long time ago and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, give me a call. We'll go out. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we ended up getting a nice cat. And after he got, after he shot the cat, he's like, you know what? He's like, I already got a 40 pounder, which is a monster, a 40 pounder on the wall. And he had like a 38 pounder on the wall. And he's like, (laughs) you know, I don't, he's like, I don't really want it. And I'm like, well, I'll take it. So, um, I'm like, I, I couldn't, give a shit less if I was the one that pulled the trigger or not. Right. You know, I mean, my, my dogs were the ones that treat it. So yeah, that cat, I, I didn't even pull the trigger on. I, I have shot one Bobcat and I, I got a rug. Um, hmm. but yeah, all the hunting I do, I've drawn three bear tags in my life, never filled a bear tag and I've only shot one Bobcat. So I don't, That's awesome. I don't, uh, <laughs> and then I've shot the one line, but man, I tell you what, after eating it, I'm like, man, I'd kind of like to get another one. Yeah, I've heard. It, it I've was heard so tasty. I've heard they're so good, man. But it's it's funny though. The you know I'll, I'll paint with a broad brush here, and I'm sure I'm going to get some kickback from this. But a lot of the guys that shoot a lot of animals, um, are not necessarily the best houndsmen. But the guys that are really prioritizing the dogs and the race and the quality of the you know. Mm-hmm. That, you know, uh, some of the best 
houndsmen I've talked to are like, I can't remember the last time I shot a bear. Yeah. And it, which is interesting. You wouldn't think that that would be the case, but it, it is actually, um, you know, the people, it seems like the people that put the most game up in the air are, it's not infrequently the people that shoot, you know, yeah. shoot the least. Yeah. I'm actually going out to, uh, British Columbia. Oh, cool. First week in December this year to go lynx hunting up there. Um, cool. I'm going to meet, I'm going to meet buddy up there. He, again, it's a bucket list thing. Um, something I always wanted to do. And I think it would be really cool to have a lynx bobcat and a mountain lion all on the wall. Um, that would be cool. And I, me and buddy talked about it a couple times and he's, he's, he goes up there a couple times a year or whatever. And he's like, yeah, go up there. I'm like, why don't you meet me up there? You know, we, hunt together so i think he's gonna meet me up there too and i'm really looking forward to it um, that's awesome that's awesome the biggest bummer is it's like a 30 hour drive from here yeah so <laughs> it's it's gonna be a hike and i'm gonna take my own dogs because again i i couldn't care less if i flew out there and shot one over another guy's dogs i mean it yeah. just wouldn't it's do not- it for me either i'm gonna do it with my own dogs or it ain't gonna happen right so right that um, makes sense and i'm I'm completely fine with that. Um, that's cool. So, yeah, wow, I'm looking forward sounds, to it. It's that's a crazy, that's a crazy experience. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Yeah. Uh, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to shoot uh, links over my own dogs here. I. Um, I've had two up a tree but it's been outside of the, uh, the hunting season. My, sure. It's been while I've hunted Fox, you know, cause the Fox yeah. is the main thing that we can hunt here. Like if you, if you've got hounds, you can hunt rabbits, which I'm not super into, you know, it's, it's just not, doesn't do it for me. Sure. Um, but if you want to hunt hounds and you want to hunt them every day for a long period of time, you know, the, the season starts the 21st of August and doesn't end until the 1st of April. Sure. So, yep. you know, our everyday kind of daily bread kind of, uh, you know, game is going to be Fox. It's going to be Red Fox and, and Badger. And haven't you um, said like your bear season will sometimes end in one or two days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like uh, yeah, the see- bear season started. The bear season started here on the 21st as well over in Sweden, they don't even have a bear season in Norway. Um, over in Sweden, it started two days ago and they have, you know, it's quotas. So, you know, every County has its own quota of bear. And there's a couple of counties that still have a bunch of bears, but there are counties that, you know, they, it was over within the first five hours. Yeah. That, that wouldn't do it for me either. I mean, I'm not going to have dogs to, to, to just keep them, tied up at home for three and you know, 64 days a year. Right. It just, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, I could go a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll hunt bear and then they'll go one of the easily accessible, uh, you know, game species, especially in Sweden, not so much in Norway, but in Sweden is wild boar. And, you know, requires some of the same qualities and things like that. So a lot of people who hunt, bear will then you know spend the rest of the year hunting wild boar you know but it's like um i think it was von plot that said that uh hunting 
wild boar is the fastest way out of the dog business that he knows of. You know, and it's just it's the truth. Up. They're they just get their asses kicked, you know, because yeah, you know the 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 bears will the bears will just lie down and ignore the dogs. They'll occasionally turn around and fight, and, but it's mm-hmm. you know the bit the the wild boar. It's it's a guaranteed fight. Sure. It's not you know they're not going to bay up and just kind of stand there. They're they're going to fight. And it's the big, you know, Russian Razorback, you know, big old tusks. Yeah. You know, they, they, they F up a lot. They F up a lot of dogs. So, you know, for me, it's so, like, you know, go ahead. If you would, uh, you know, ask me 10 years ago, what my, you know, the quality and the hound that I'm looking for, I would say cold trailing ability and, and grit, you know, Mm. to, to really stay and even put teeth on it if they had to. But I tell you what, our vet, the vet situation around here, the last few years has, Mm. it's gotten about impossible to find any emergency vets. Really? And to be honest with you, it scares me to death because, you know, I, I used to have a, a, a vet my my family's been going to forever that his dad owned it for a while and then the kid took it over and you know the kids the kids in his mid-40s you know and has been running it for 20 years now and you know they we could take dogs there whenever we needed it didn't matter if it was a truck full and they're good vets too if if something happened to a dog on their watch like it you know i had the utmost confidence in them like that that dog wasn't going to make it no matter what right but now they quit doing emergencies and you know, I worked with another vet that quit doing emergencies and, and here about an hour and a half from where I hunt, uh, an emergency vet clinic opened up. Well, that was about three times as, or four times as expensive as, as the mom and pop places used to be. But I just heard the other day, they quit taking new clients. So it, it, it really scares me to death to, to get a dog beat up and not having a place to take it. So yeah. I would say, you know. Like the other day when those couple dogs quit, yeah, I don't like to see that. I'd rather them not do that. But on the other hand, it's like, if it's going to be that or get your butt kicked, you know, I guess I can take you hunting the next day now. Um, Whereas, you know, it's just scary. Um, There's such a vet shortage right now. And, you know, people don't want to work, which I, I, I don't blame them. You know, some of those vets that were open through bear season, I mean, they'd be there almost 24 hours a day around the clock, fixing up bear dogs. Right. Yeah. And that's got to get old too. But, um, yeah, it, it's you know, kind I, of I, put us in a bad spot. That is a bad spot to be in. You know, I, my, my day job is, is, um, is at a, at a, you know, vet hospital. I'm a, I'm a vet tech. Sure. And, uh, you know, we're, we're struggling with the same thing. You know, the, my hospital that I work at, they, they still look at it. They, they've got kind of an old school view of, of it all that they have, they became vets to, and they embrace the lifestyle, which, you know, means that they're called out in the middle of the night. It means that they are, you know, it, it, it's. They knew what they were getting into when they became veterinarians and didn't expect anything different. Yep. 
Whereas sure. the the new generation of vets, they want their vacation, they want their nights, you know, uninterrupted. And I can understand that on some level, I can understand it. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, you know, the 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 character of the profession has changed completely in the last 20 years. Yeah. And it's scary because you've got vets that are like, well, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. I don't care if you have a, an animal that is about to die. That's not my problem. And that's that's a dangerous attitude to take because, you know, like in my opinion, it's it it is your problem. Like yeah. you you said it's what you, you wanted signed to up become for. a veterinarian. Yeah. It's what you signed up for, you know? It's like you don't become a marine and decide to be a path like I mean, you don't you're not a pacifist and decide to become a marine. You know, you signed up for something. Yeah. Put your money where your mouth is and and get it done. And, you know, it's maybe an unpopular opinion, but that's that that's a bummer. You know, it's a bummer to be in the position. We've also got in. we've also got some vets that just flat out won't take hounds like they don't they don't agree. You know, they don't agree with it. They think you're basically doing it to their to your dog. So they're not, you know, we're not going to. And, and I'm sure they've got enough other clients that. They don't, they don't really need the workload either. So they've just made the decision. We're not going to take hounds and it's right. It's, uh, it's getting tougher all the time. I, I wish I would have married a vet. I screwed up. I told my wife, if I ever, you know, if I ever, uh, if you ever kick me out or whatever, I'm, I'm going to go start hanging out where all the vets hang out. For right. Sure, you're going to start stalking the, uh, <laughs> veterinary, the veterinary colleges and things like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I see that, man. It's. It's tough. It's, um, you know, and there's, there's, I'm kind of on the fence about it, you know, cause I, I've done quite a few of these podcasts and I've heard, you know, I've talked to guys that have been like, you know, if that dog is not there until the bitter end, it's not good enough for me. You know, and then I've talked to guys that are like, well, I, you know, you can't hunt a dead dog. Yep. And you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing because, you know, you want the grit, you want the, the ability to just get in there and just, you know, you know, lay it all on the line. But at the same time, it's, it's like, you know, those, those suicidal, you know, yep. balls to the wall, throw it all, you know, go for the nose time. kind of dogs are just there. You're not going to have them for that long. You know, it's, it's that dog is well, not going to last me, me only keeping four dogs of my own. I mean, I'm one bear away from not having anything to hunt too, you know, right. if they're, if they're going to mix it up too much. So, um, yeah, man. yeah, my, my, my philosophy, my cousin's philosophy is still pretty much, they better not quit, but hmm. he's got, you know, he's got 15 or 20 of them. So he always figures if he can't take one, he'll just take a different one. But my, my right. philosophy on that is, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want him to quit, but man, more and more is the tougher it is to find vets. It's like, well, I guess at least I don't have to worry about putting a dog down just because I can't, can't find a place for him, you know, or have him bleed out in my back seat because I can't find a vet that'll take him. So, right. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I get that, and you know, it's it's um, you know when when your main game species are are species that are go you know have the potential to really destroy your team, you know your your pack. That's something you got to take into consideration. You know, it's it's one of those things that I'm lucky I don't have to take that into consideration even really at all. Yeah. You know, it's like well, and honestly, that it's kind of been one things that have drawn me to bobcats a little bit more too i mean yeah my my dogs might get scratched up a little bit by a bobcat and i might have to put them on medication but i haven't had a bobcat knock out a dog for six months so right right exactly you know it's not uh i would uh i'd have a little bit of a hard time feeling bad for you if you said yeah bobcat just to totally destroyed my pack i'd be like oh yep. i don't know i don't know if it yep. feels too bad for it you maybe work. it's time to start looking for new dogs if, uh, but you know <laughs> yep. it's but it's true, you know. It's like the fo- the foxes too. You know, I had a do- I had a dog that got bitten in the nose by a fox, and it blew his mind. Blew his mind. Yeah. That dog has no business being out there. If that's all it takes, that you're you're done. Like I I, you know, you're done. You're done here anyway. There's I, I have nothing more more to say. You know, but a dog that's these, not willing these to two young dogs. Them, yeah, go ahead. These two young dogs, I had the first bobcat I introduced them to last winter, and it was my own damn fault. Um, we had it, my two older dogs had it caught, and my dad had actually brought those two younger dogs in, and they kind of came up by me, and they're like, oh, what's that? You know, and they just right. kind of mopily walked up to that cat and <laughs> at different times, and that cat jumped on their head. And I mean, shredded both of them oh, no. and they were done. Like, they're like, fuck this. I'm going back to the truck. But I, you know, I called them back to me and got them pet up. And then they actually saw my two older dogs get it a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then that got them little, you know, I, I was able to bring them back from that. But sure. yeah, at first they were like, man, that thing hurts. I am, I am not going anywhere near one of them again, but, Screw that. um, and yeah. that was my own fault. I, yeah, I should have, I should have known that was a possibility and got them engaged in the cat before they just thought they were going to walk up to it and smell. It's right. Butt, like know. it was like, it was your wife's cat. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, man, I felt bad. I felt bad for them. There, they had blood pouring out of their ears, and man, they wore that cat as a hat for probably twenty seconds. You know, like, oh man, that thing hurts. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, sometimes, yeah. sometimes whether you want it to or not, the. I mean, that's sort of the the nature of what we do, right? It's like whether you want it to or not, the shit is just going to completely hit the fan. In ways yeah. that you could not possibly imagine. It's like, I nope. cannot believe that just happened. Yeah. I'm like, I can't do that again. I got to start leashing them up or something and getting them engaged first so they don't just go up there and get waylaid because it took right. me a couple cats to bring them back from that. <laughs> but hopefully uh, it also gave them a little respect uh, for him, too. Well, I mean, there's Moving something forward. to be said for that, right? It's like there's something to be said for, you know, they walk away maybe a little bit wiser. It's, yeah, you know it's. The, but I could uh, see a situation where it could ruin a dog too. I, you know, oh, absolutely, a, a really soft dog. Hmm. You might have a hard time coming back from it. But oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen dogs that would never have come back from that. I have. I've had dogs that would never yeah. come back from that. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. No, it's a tough one. But yeah. Well, cool. When are you headed to BC with Buddy? Um, I think our hunt starts on December 3rd, I want to say. So, um, mm. I'm actually going to leave, I'm actually going to leave a day or two after Thanksgiving just to, I got a couple mountain passes. I got to drive through on the way there. And I told my wife, like, I don't want a bad snowstorm to make me lose a day of hunting. If I get out right. there a day or two early, fine. But so, yeah, that's, and I think Jason is actually going to try to try to go up there too, which. Oh, that would be, be awesome. That'd be kind I'd of love. fun. Yeah. Love to see Jason get out and do that. He's uh, between babies and magazines and everything. It's he would, uh, Jason, if you're listening to this, do it. Yeah, do it, do it. Do I, it. I hope he can. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, in that case, I'm sure he's going to do. There. I'm sure they'll both do a podcast with you about that whole trip. But in the event that they don't, let's uh, let's connect again afterward. I want to hear about how it went for sure. For cool. sure. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully my dogs don't make fools of me and it's not a wasted trip, but only one way to find out. Only one way to find out. <laughs> only one way to find out. All right, Ross. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here. I know it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, mid morning for you there now. I appreciate you taking a morning to do this. So I didn't have to get up in the middle of the night. It's always, uh, always nice to do this when I'm not, uh, you know, drunk with lack of sleep. Yeah, no problem. This worked out. This worked out pretty well. It gave me an excuse to run up, run up to my cabin earlier. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm always down for that. That's excellent. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and it was great to talk to you. We've known each other for a while, and it's uh, it's good to finally sit down and have a conversation with you. Yeah, man. You too. It's been fun. Yep. All right, brother. Take care. Keep me posted on how everything's going, and we'll uh, we'll catch up again. We'll do. All right. See ya. Cool. See ya, Bear. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Man, I love that sound.